Hello and welcome back to the Event Lab podcast, your window into the events conversation. Coming up, Ed is chatting to Lauren and Christina about organising events for your company when event organising isn't your main job. So much to it, like waste disposal, all these different things that you don't think about until you actually sit down and go, oh, actually, how many bins do you need for a party? I don't know how many bins do you need? How many bottles of Coke do you need? I don't know. How long will the ice last? But first, Crossrail delayed until 2019. A big blow for London venues, the terror of team building events. The BBC is looking into why they're so dreaded and renting out your bedroom for business. Are Airbnb preparing to move into the meetings industry? This week on the News Digest, Sam and Ed are joined by Martin Fullard, the deputy editor of Conference News. So it's over to the team. Evening all. Good evening. Hello, Sam. Long time no see. Uh, Thank you for having me back. I'm sorry that I've uh, been disappearing and travelling for the last month or so. Been a few weeks, hasn't it? What have you been up to? Work, vacation. I'm in between homes at the moment, so I've taken the opportunity to go with my laptop and work around the world. Anywhere exciting? Um, Dorset, Essex, America, you know, the usual. In order. (laughs) You've been working on the Business of Events Forum, haven't you? I saw saw something about that. Yes, very excited. The Business of Events Forum is now in its second year. Very excited about that. It's massively expanded as a, a series of events. We've got the Business of Events Forum in Wales on the 5th of October. We have an event up in Scotland um, early November. And we now have a series of events in London the same week as Event Lab. We start with a parliamentary debate with the APPG, the All-Party Parliamentary Group, and senior influencers in the industry on Thursday, the 25th of October, followed by the actual forum, which will be held at the QE2 on Friday the 26th. So we've got a really good opportunity where we're bringing together the entire industry government association, trade bodies, um, and everybody who's a senior influencer in this sector to talk about future-proofing our industry. Brilliant. Martin Fullard. We have Martin Fullard back, Deputy Editor of Conference News. Great to have you back, Martin. How has your summer been? Uh, it's not been too bad. I'm just pleased I didn't disgrace myself enough last time, so I've been invited back, so that uh, <laughs> gives me a warm, gooey feeling inside. Uh, save for a week sailing up and down the Shannon in Ireland, I've been busy beavering away monitoring the events industry. So there's been a few things happening over the summer. I'd say trickle rather than a flood, but certainly I've been busier than previous summers. Breaking stories, I see. About an hour ago, I think it was, you broke the Airbnb Moving into meetings, is that right? It kind of is. Break might be a grandiose term, but uh, certainly I just happened to stumble across it. Uh, Now, I understand that Airbnb have been flirting with the business travel sort of caper for a while, Uh, but something was drawn to my attention that Airbnb are now actually going to go a little bit further with this and they're going to join the meeting scene. Like I say, it's only within the last couple of hours that I've kind of seen this and I haven't spoken to anyone at Airbnb. All I've really got is a rather bland statement from their from their website uh, but you know they pitched some numbers saying 700,000 companies have had employees sign up and book with Airbnb for work uh, over the last year or two it wasn't really very specific and more than 300,000 people are engaged with them to help manage their travel so it looks like Airbnb are kind of moving into the higher space 
the sphere of actually booking event spaces. Uh, it certainly looks like there's going to be some sort of incentive travel uh, offering there as well and team building. They want to get, get involved with that. Interesting. It seems like so many companies are, are looking at this kind of instant booking space for, for meetings and, and small events. You're seeing it all over the place. Certainly something that we're looking at at higher space. Sam, you work with loads of venues. Is it something that you've that you've come across with them often? Yeah, I think that I think that uh, Airbnb can be a disruptor. I think we've got great companies in the industry, higher space being one of them, present company included, uh, who are doing a great job in terms of smaller venues and smaller meetings. But, you know, people are looking for something different. Um, I know a really good colleague of mine, he's been using Airbnb for meeting space probably for the last four or five years. Um, very effectively, it's much more cost effective. It's more creative. So perhaps it's that you know, that nudge to venues to actually look at those alternative spaces that I know um, that higher space do uh, share with meeting planners, but to look outside that box and introduce some of those elements to the standard and traditional venue. So I think it's a disruption and I think it could be for the good. Five or so years ago, when I don't know when 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 kind of high space started, it was venues didn't really want to offer their inventory and offer kind of online bookings. That really seems to be changing. I'd say it does. I mean, uh, you know, once upon a time, if you wanted to hear your favourite musician, you'd have to suffer the indignity of going to your nearest HMV and buying the buying the single in person. And uh, as a result, there was a great video the other day of Liam Gallagher making tea, saying he used to have about four people to do that for him because in the nineties he was a rich rock star. But no one buys music anymore. They download it straight from iTunes and I think that is really a sign of the times really I think that you have to be online it was an inevitability as far as I'm concerned I think it's a a situation that uh, we have to keep a keen eye on Um, again with some of these big companies that are coming into our sector they're not professionals they don't understand there are needs um, for meeting planners in terms of the space and and also the booking facilities we have got better organisations in the industry who are doing it but venues do need to step onto that and they need to look at changing their resource at the end of the day so um, a resource is kind of wasted these days booking small meeting space planners don't have time for that sort of thing and venues need to be looking at how they utilise their resource better for other other bits and pieces. Makes sense or well, big news anyway and they mentioned team building and it brings us nicely on actually because there was something on the, the BBC wasn't it Sam and you picked up on this and essentially it was it was team building work team building getting absolutely slated. An article appeared gives examples of tears and colleagues falling out and one reader described I think a team building exercise where she and her co-workers had to spit soda into each other's mouths no idea why and another made to watch videos about the leadership skills of dolphins it seemed they went all out against work team building at first Sam showed me this before we came on here today and uh, I, I was terrified that I'd missed it but I'm looking at the date stamp now and I'm saying ah thank goodness I was away on holiday at that point so that's my excuse for missing this uh but I've, after just glancing over some of the examples provided, I think it's an absolute load of old cobblers. Uh, a good team building agency will speak to the event organiser and they will plan at a team building event based around the information provided. All right, If you are a slick organiser at what you're doing, you will ensure that you choose an activity that you know that your team 
would enjoy, or at the very least, the majority of them. If you take someone to an insect eating course, of course, that you know, the vast majority of people aren't going to enjoy it. But maybe why don't you do something more low key, like book a wine bar? That's team building in the same in the same context. You know, it's just it's a case of organising things properly. So to actually have a blanket attack on team building is is absolute nonsense. And I think this is just uh, more of a ranting a rant article, to be honest. I think I saw this more from a, a holistic point of view. As Martin rightly said, this this article came out a couple of weeks ago and it was whilst I was overseas. And I was absolutely flabbergasted that there wasn't a response from the industry, whether that be from the PR company or the team building companies uh, themselves, whether it's from the media or indeed from an industry association or the trade association for the industry, the BVP. No one has responded to a major national article uh, slating one big sector of our industry. And whilst I don't know what the value to, uh, to the economy is for team building alone, I'm a bit disappointed in us, you know, that we haven't as an industry responded to this. There was nothing in the article, was there? No. No, well, you just have to keep an eye on conference news for some sort of retaliation. I'm sure we can uh, do something. Interesting times. Again, when we speak as an industry, it is something for us to think about that um, who is the voice of the industry when we see things like this. I'll just, I'll just add to that that, you know, we do have several industry associations representing us, but maybe maybe it's because I'm uh, I'm still on my holiday come down but I can't actually think of one that looks after the team building sector specifically I might be wrong some big great team building companies but you're right none of them none of them kind of responded to this Again, perhaps they'll on. respond to you Martin well one could only hope we're relying on you Martin what about Mash Media Conference News do you do any great team building any great examples oh my goodness me uh i'm notoriously stubborn but uh we do every year a a sports day which is very similar to what you would have uh, what you do at school uh primary school egg and spoon race sack race all sorts of degrading humiliating things it's only kind of balanced out in adult land when they crack open the beers at about five o'clock uh but it's a it's a very good very good day out and at first some people are a little bit oh nice i don't really want to have to do all that but actually after half an hour everyone's having a great laugh it is good fun who who who, who who's great in the sports oh, i'm not going to mention any names but some of those little young sales lads in their 19 20 years old when it comes to like the <laughs> softball competition or rounders they think they, you know they're johnny big potatoes and they take it very competitively but luckily we beat them with the jaeger bombs later <laughs> sam I've done so many wonderful team building activities uh, combined with um, looking at destinations. I, you know, I, like Martin said, I think the most important thing to recognise when you've got a team building activity is knowing your team and knowing what objective you want from it. So um, when I was president of MPI, I took my board and we went cocktail making because I know that they all enjoy a cocktail and they're all quite creative. And we came up with a cocktail with a new name. Don't ask me what it was because after a couple of cocktails, I can't remember. But yeah, we've got to hone into that whole reason behind team building. And actually it's effectiveness and success in developing organisations. Workplace culture is something we've spoken about a lot. That is a big issue, isn't it, in, in events? Yes. I suppose this is one one part of it. Right, Crossrail, and this is another thing that I saw in, in conference news. Conference news seems to be dominating the news digest today. <laughs> what are the odds? So Crossrail's delayed, again. I think delayed to... Autumn 2019, the Elizabeth Line. I didn't realise it was called that. Yeah, it was you? called, yes. It's uh, the Open by the Queen. Am I the only one in, yeah. in the world that didn't know that? Yeah. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, anyway, delayed autumn 2019, and that's going to have a, a big impact on 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 venues in London potentially. Some venues in in particular, Martin. So you spoke to you spoke we did to- spoke to uh, to Jeremy Reese, who uh, this week only has been confirmed as the permanent uh, CEO at EXO uh, London. Yeah, He's been acting CEO been acting CEO since November last year. He took over from Sire Mr. Pegler, who was uh, who was relieved of his duties, and I think the. Excel, I think, are going to be very frustrated with this. Uh, certainly, Jeremy made that clear in his statement to us. Uh, no one will deny that you know London's transport is or transport network is one of the greatest in in Europe, save the world. I mean, it really is fantastic. The frequency of trains and buses we have, but sometimes you want to get there a little bit faster. And while it's easy enough to get to Excel, you know, Jubilee Line to Canning Town, then the DLR. Crossrail really is going to change the way they do business. They'll be able to get from, or delegates will be able to get from Heathrow to Excel in, what, say 35 minutes or whatever it was. And uh, I believe, now I've only heard this through whisperings, but there are some events who have booked at that venue uh, from the end of this year on the understanding that Crossrail would be uh, operational. That's obviously not going to be the case, and XL is obviously quite upset about that. I, yeah, I wondered about that. The to what extent, you know, Big Seller kind of planned from a business point of view to have the Crossrail at that time and, and events that had been placed there, and what happens to those? Uh, I mean, they'll have a contract in terms of those things in place, um, but then, you know, giving someone their money back, helping them find a new venue, all that goodwill doesn't stop the frustration I'm sure XL are feeling. I think it's quite a challenging um challenging thing that three months out you suddenly get this Mm. information that it's going to be substantially delayed I think again managing expectations of of Londoners um, hasn't happened I think that's a big frustration on the flip side this is one of the biggest civil engineering projects that's ever happened uh, it's certainly in recent times so you know there should have been a degree of expectation like anything when you you know you build a new venue or hotel or whatever it might be um, and you could speak to someone like the ICC Wales you know you do want to leave a small gap um, but then 12 months is probably one that wasn't anticipated so I think it's poor communication and and that's uh, a frustration for those venues. I guess the venues on the other side of London are probably breathing again. Um, so they've got a little bit of a respite. But I can completely understand the frustration of XL mm. because, you know, they have a very big venue to run. Great. Well, they say that talking of Crossrail, a 10-year project will add 10% to central London's rail capacity and will boost the economy by an estimated 42 billion pounds. I mean, that's more or less the worth of the events industry nationally. So we're talking huge figures here. And I think, I mean, I wonder how much of that 42 billion to London alone will come from our industry. I do wonder. Absolutely. Uh, Well, frustrating, but we wait and we're there. Sam, thank you very much. Great to have you back. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Really enjoyed this week. Martin, just before just before we go, I understand you are confirmed to be a moderator at a panel discussion at Event Lab. I have had my arm twisted, yes. Great. It's on, am I right in saying it's on how we make sure we get the best talent coming through into the events world? I am very passionate about young talent in the industry, and that's not just through the university model, but from every conceivable model. And I hope we're going to be looking and talking about that in some great detail, and hopefully there'll be something for the delegate to take away. And just for um, the diary, in case there's somebody here who doesn't know when it is, when is it? So Event Lab is at the Barbican, 23rd and 24th of October. 
which is actually very near a crossrail stop. So allow extra time for your journeys. So that's going to be a fabulous week for the event industry with Event Lab followed by uh, the Business of Events Forum. So put those dates in your diaries. What a week it will be. What a week. Martin, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. See you next time. Now, next up, Ed is speaking to Lauren Ainsley and Christina Gordon, who help organise events for their company. They're not professional event organisers, and instead they work on social events for their company in addition to their day-to-day roles. Today, they're sharing their stories. Evening, guys. Hi. Hi. Delighted to have Christina Gordon and Lauren Ainsley from Audley Travel. So so what, what are your roles? We are both um, on the product team right now, looking after the product in-country, making sure it's what we should be using. Um, so nothing to do with events? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing to do with events. <laughs> and it's a full-time job. <laughs> so thought it would be really interesting to kind of get your, get your perspective of what it's like to organise these kind of massive uh, company events with high expectations, I imagine. Definitely. Huge expectations. <laughs> and year after year, they're wanting something big and better um, to talk about so yeah yeah unique I mean from any and it's so difficult because obviously the company's growing and growing and finding these unique venues it's not always easy especially with the numbers that's us (laughs) so Christina Lauren you guys are like thousands of other people across the UK I suppose at the moment tasked with organizing social events on behalf of your company Christmas party summer party and the other little bits in between to whatever our budget can stretch to you're part of a social committee of 20 people organizing events tell us a bit about some of these events that you organize I mean the most recent one was our summer party with which uh, we both played quite a large part in um, and I mean that's we that takes place in Oxfordshire outside our Whitney office um, and essentially I think we had about 800 people attend this year yeah so um, 20 people organizing 800 but and, and all 20 people are involved in organizing the events two of us headed up this year so um myself and another another guy from from work and um we then roped in other people along the way um delegated as many tasks as we could out to them um when the stress got a little too much it's essentially it starts from a shell because it's in a field you've, you've got to think about so many different elements so it's not like as easy as i mean when we're in london we get to find a venue and there's there's a bit of help there but when you start from a shell in a field you have to think of all these tiny little elements that are so tricky to remember and trying to liaise that between 20 people can be difficult but i think we we, we worked it out in we the end there. so <laughs> space themed this year space themed so yeah. is that set by the company so it was set last year i don't know whose idea it was for come up with we we kind of discuss it amongst ourselves people throw ideas out there um and then it sort of gets narrowed down i think just in a discussion and at first i was not impressed by this this um this theme because i didn't want it to be like star wars or anything (laughs) or like you know like child's party and everyone turns up in a rocket or like dressed as a spaceship so who who sets the space theme it was one of the people on the social committee from the previous year and then it was you know I think it just gets thrown out there and sort of discussed and people start, you know, then g- going off on one about that and, you know, talking about, oh, well, we could do this and oh, and kind of just bring all these ideas sort of get thrown together and, you know, anything that kind of you can see when something's on a roll and it, it, it comes together as an idea. So, come on, so guys, you've got, so you've got 800 person event, yes. big event, space themed, 20 of you all on the social committee. Do any of the 20 have any, there's so many social committees up and down the country, they're all kind of kicking, <laughs> yeah. in, kicking into action at the moment, trying to plan their, their, their Christmas. 
Christmas parties. But so you guys are 20 people. How many have any kind of events experience? I mean, nothing None official, really. No. I think it's just, you know, the most experience each of us have is maybe planning like a party with friends or something. It's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing official on a CV or anything like that. We've come to work at a travel company to obviously work in travel. So I think, uh, yeah. There's so much to it, like waste disposal, all these different things that you don't think about until you actually sit down and go, well, actually, how many bins do you need for a party? <laughs> How many bins you need? How many bottles of Coke do you need? I don't know. How long will the ice last? Yeah. <laughs> so how do you work these things out? Because these are things you've got to answer, right? Um, yeah, we did. And you know what? actually, this year is probably the first year that we've started noting all these things down. So now we have reference. So we bought 380 bottles of Prosecco for the party this year and only... I mean, less than 100 we drank. So we really, we really we screwed that one up. But um, so next year we know uh, roughly how many to order. Um, so we just, yeah, now we've recorded. We learn from experience, yeah. I think. And, you know, we, we, we try to sort of think, well, well, at least if we over order something, then we're going to be using it for events because we do, you know, various little events throughout the year as well. So, I mean, it, it's, a ver- it's a various combination of meetings emails, um, sheets that get sent round and sort of delegations between people and what they're kind of focused on. I yeah, suppose. and sometimes raining ideas in, like sometimes we get a little bit carried away. One year we had um, a hot air balloon and I don't know how much it cost us. And then when the hot air balloon arrived and it got set up and I think how much, how many feet did it actually go up? Oh gosh, ground? I mean, imagine Two probably feet. the height of your roof, like a, a normal house roof was the highest. It probably yeah, went. the guy got there and he like sussed out the wind situation was like, nope, not happening today. We're like, what? <laughs> So do you get you get given a budget, I guess, by the company, and yes. and 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 I guess you you sit in the room, twenty of you, blank sheet of paper. You've got your budget. You've got a kind of rough idea of what you want to do, and you just go from there. How do you decide who does who does what? It's just really a conversation. It flows quite easily. It's very relaxed. I'd say that when we're looking at budget, obviously we we go usually for our summer party is one of our bigger budgets, mm-hmm. and then our Christmas party we allocate quite a bit of money to because that's where both of our offices meet up. So both our London office and our Whitney office, um, where everyone's together, and then between the two offices we hold different events so London would have a few different events throughout the year and then Whitney would have a few different events throughout the year and just looking at how to spend the budget like to me a good party is food drink entertainment so as long as those three things are covered like we don't need a hot air balloon that's fine we don't need that part (laughs) so as long as the three main things are covered like that's all I need from a party sometimes we get you know all these extra bits and pieces but we don't we don't need that we just want people to come together you know eat some hopefully good food have some drinks and hopefully won't run out and then you know the dj was incredible this year like he just got everyone up dancing like mm. all night he was awesome what was the dj's name do you remember i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> i tried to remember it before i got here this evening i have no idea but he was amazing i wish i could shout him out but um no i can't remember we'll put it in the show notes <laughs> you, you, i mean so kind of important these big kind of company parties right for for, for you know workplace culture and, and team yeah. around. how do you know when a a big kind of social event for your company has been successful what, what does kind of success look like um emails following the next day text messages people you know people make friends through these events we're working in these separate office locations and you obviously have these emails throughout the day to these people you know working within the same team but across different offices and actually this these parties bring us together you can put a name to a face um you know and ha- have a dance on the dance for these people you've never met before and you know it's a success if it's photos all over instagram and you know the internet of people like coming together having fun like 
smiles on people's faces. I think also because as although we're the events team and we are planning these events, we also get to try to enjoy them at some point in the evening as well. And I think we can kind of sense that once we've started, you know, get just more enjoying the event and stop stressing about the organising of it. Um, so I think you can when you become part of the atmosphere and say so seeing everyone around you and speaking to them on the night, I think you can kind of get a bit of a idea from that as well. Yeah, the summer party, nine pm. I clocked off. I was like, I am gonna now. I'm gonna start enjoying myself. <laughs> you must be the most popular people in the country in the company, right? Oh, I wish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what people think. I think of they us. know who we are. But I, both are yeah. I think they, they describe us as like a bit of a whirlwind, <laughs> like just constantly running around. Just we look like people of part of MIM, like CIA, MI five, or something, FBI. This year we had like walkie-talkies attached to us. We had our mobile phones going off, like racing around you had a everywhere. Set. Yeah, I had a headset. <laughs> Sounds quite fun. So you must have learned on the job pretty good. So how long have you been? How long have you been part of the committee? Uh, so I mean, I I started on the committee when I first joined um, my my first role at Audley. So I started at Audley um, two years ago in July. So um, since since I started, really, I've been on the committee for about five years, and I sort of dipped in and out of the smaller events. But this year was. Um one of the first years that I um, have sort of been given an event to head up and that was a huge responsibility and I spent so many hours after work at my desk. I sort of finished my day job and then I'd start the social committee job but um, it was worth it. It was so worth so it. So you're the boss? I, I don't think I was the boss. I think I was I was um, just... No, I wasn't the boss. Someone else is the boss. I but you're definitely the leader on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you must have learned on the job so quickly. No professional events. I mean, events organising is very difficult and very stressful. And you organising huge events, uh, no kind of professional training. How do you, you must have learned on the job quite quickly. What are the big lessons you've learned or what are the big kind of challenges, I suppose, to, to organising a huge event to without the experience? To follow everybody up. If they say they're going to do something, check that they're actually doing it. Probably each week sometimes people <laughs> say they'll do stuff and then they won't yeah I think it's trying to get the commitment there and also just figuring out numbers and I think it was I mean I remember when I first started doing um, some of the events for our London office I would just kind of bulk guess like oh I think this many people will have beer and you know you don't you don't really think about these things when you don't have events experience of all the sort of specifics but um, trying to figure out what people's preferences are and kind of just after you've done an event sort of seeing okay well this is what happened last time and this is what people were doing and trying to just just keep learning from each event really yeah it's been a huge learning curve huge definitely something I'm putting on the CV oh along with podcast Podcasting. <laughs> Podcast is top of the CV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there must have been some um, kind of calamities or mishaps along the way, or has uh, it all been few. seamless? <laughs> so this year, we obviously were, were trying to be more um, conscious about the environment. Um, so this year, we had a couple of options to use, um, well, the cup situation was a big one. We had like, you know, we don't want... Cups always difficult. <laughs> yeah. So there was a couple of options and one of the options we went, um, we chose was biodegradable cups. Yeah. So as we were setting up for the um, event, um, we sort of got these boxes of cups out and they smell really funny. And I was like, guys, I was like, I think the cups smell. And they were like, no, Lauren, it's just you. And I was like, sort of sniffing. I was like, the cups definitely smell of cheese, guys. So anyway, <laughs> we, we got the cups out of the box and... 
I mean, they were doing their job. They were, they were, but they were melting. These cups had literally melted, and they were all like warped shapes and stuff. And we, we couldn't really use them. I mean, what did you do? Plan B was that we had reusable cups. So the biodegradable ones were put to one side, and we probably won't be able to use them again. Thankfully, but it was we all... such a hot day. I think that's why it, it, it happened. Like the the summer part of this year, it was absolutely boiling. So the ones that hadn't quite yet melted yet were kept in the shade underneath the tables until like the very last minute. I think there's some things as well that you can't really control. I mean, I can think of an example when we had a Halloween boat party on the Thames, and it was uh, dead celebrity themed. So. Um, we had like a palm reader that was meant to be downstairs and it was just you got you know he sort of I think he started about 9pm when people had had a few drinks and I remember going downstairs just seeing how it was going all these people queuing up and literally just hearing this man telling switching between two different palm readings the whole time but people not noticing because they'd had a few drinks they're enjoying themselves um, so I think there's things like that where you sort of cringe a little bit um, I mean it was like you were saying earlier the most important thing is that people can have a dance they've got food and they've got drinks so <laughs> go get those guys on early i suppose yeah <laughs> last one was was outside london but you, you've organized lots of lots of events in london or i guess i guess across the uk tell us what are some of your favorite venues that you've used venues or suppliers any kind of amazing National. i know lots of people listening will be interested to interested to know what are the what are the great venues you've come across the Natural History Museum we did for our Christmas party um, last December. It was just, it was just unbelievable. I believe it was, was it in the Earth Hall? Yeah, it was incredible. It was like they got this big escalator up the middle that you go into this. Um, is it, so pod, isn't it? Yeah, Earth is it Earth? Sort of feels like you're going through time in it. <laughs> yeah, but it was really impressive. And obviously during Christmas party, that's the one that we all dress up really nicely, put on something you know extra special, and go to this extra special venue. It was really, it was really awesome. Yeah, I loved that there was a balcony there as well that sort of looked over the entire venue. And I think when you stood up there, especially as if, when you were part of organising it, just seeing everyone, you know, in this amazing space all together, enjoying themselves, having a dance and socialising, I think that's when you kind of realise, like, it's, it, you know it's been successful. And I think that's how you know, like, a venue is really great. It's one that everyone can kind of mix together. So yeah. so this is this week is actually the week in which more Christmas party inquiries happen uh, than any other week in, in, in the whole year. So all over the country, people are organising their Christmas parties. Loads of them are going to be like you guys, social committees, not used to doing it professionally. Any last minute, la- You've last advice for them? you way too late. <laughs> <laughs> you should yes. be stressed. <laughs> no, that is the, the first message is, <laughs> Always try, I'd say for next year, try to organise earlier. Yeah. <laughs> That's the step one. Uh, and step two, I'd say, is just record everything and have a shared sheet spreadsheet word document whatever it is but just keep everyone in the loop because that's when things can just spiral out of control i think <laughs> i can't believe this is the busiest week that's mad i suppose i suppose um for, for a company of for companies big as yours they, they happen yeah, earlier but for the average the average kind of size the average kind of size size company a little bit smaller perhaps don't need to do so much planning everyone goes away from august they come back in september suddenly they need to organize a christmas party and certainly for high space we suddenly just get flooded with uh with with with, with inquiries for, for christmas often from from people on social committees who who are a little bit um help <laughs> <laughs> please I mean, I think you guys are really great at giving advice. I know that um, I've spoken to people at Higher Space in the past for um, just some of our smaller events. And you guys, obviously, you know, you, you're venue experts. So I think having your advice by our, by our side was really helpful in the past and just getting tips from you. So 
Brilliant. Didn't have to say those nice things, but I will. We will leave. We will leave them in. <laughs> Don't cut. I do part. mean it. I do. No, Karen's fantastic. <laughs> Karen is fantastic. <laughs> Happily, do a shout out for for Karen. <laughs> Guys, it's been fascinating. An insight into what it's like organising big, important events as part of a social committee with limited training. Sounds like you do a wonderful job. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. For having me. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to the Event Lab podcast. As ever, you can find links to most of the things mentioned in the episode in our show notes below. Now, we're only seven weeks away from Event Lab, which is happening in October on the 23rd and 24th at the Barbican. Event Lab 2018 will offer cutting edge insight, skill enhancing opportunities, and fresh inspiration for those on an event planning journey. To register for tickets, you can go to eventlab.online. If you have any questions or would like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at eventlab at highspace.com. And finally, you can follow all that we do on Twitter and Instagram using the handle eventlab underscore online. <laughs>